A few years back, our denomination, one of our churches, the, the church in New York City, decided to plant a new church. And that church would serve deaf people, people who could not hear. The pastor of this new church plant was a woman, and still is a woman, who, although she was not deaf herself, was raised by parents who could not hear. So as she grew up, besides the English language, she also learned American Sign Language, which is commonly referred to as ASL, American Sign Language. So she learned this as a child in order to communicate with her deaf parents. Now this woman now uses that same talent, the ability to speak in American Sign Language, to preach to the church that she pastors. Now she recently told us the exciting news that she was developing with the help of others, a Bible for deaf people based on American Sign Language. So a special Bible just for them. Now when she said that, I had a question, which turned out to be a very dumb question. <laughs> I said, now these people, Christians who cannot hear, they do have their eyesight, and they can see, why do they need a special Bible when they can just pick up a Bible like I have and read it? Now that sounded like a logical question to me at the time. Why would deaf people need a special Bible? Now there's one very obvious, though often overlooked reason why people that have been deaf from birth so frequently struggle with reading. For the vast majority of, of deaf individuals, American Sign Language is their native language, not English. Those are two different languages. American Sign Language is a language in it, of its own. It has its own idioms, it has its own explanations and understandings. American Sign Language isn't just English in a signed format. It is an independent language with its own vocabulary and grammar. Most deaf people would find reading English comparable to reading Chinese. I never thought of that, but it's true. They're two separate languages, and that's why deaf people need their own Bible. They can't comprehend written English. Now, if they became deaf during their life sometime, it'll be much easier and simple. They already learned how to read English. My uncle became deaf when he was a teenager. So for years and years and years, when he lived upstairs from us, I always communicated with him in English. He read lips. I didn't know the American Sign Language. So he was able to read the newspaper. He was able to do crossword puzzles, which he enjoyed doing. But when somebody is deaf 
from birth, that's a different story because they never learned English as their first language. The point that I want to make today is that you understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God that many others don't understand because you have been given the understanding of a certain language, if you will, a spiritual language that most others don't understand. Now, I want to play a video for you at this point, uh, and it has no sound, because what it is is a man speaking in American Sign Language. Now, I'm going to keep my mic on, because uh, I'll make a couple comments as we go along. It's, it's a few minutes long, so let's go ahead and hit the lights and uh, start the video. Now, I don't know about you, but I am totally clueless. <laughs> I have no idea what this man is saying in his native language, American Sign Language. Now in a couple minutes I'll inform you what he's saying, but see if you can guess. Now notice one part of American Sign Language that is not included in English is facial expressions. He goes out of his way as he tells his story to give the facial expressions that the people that he's talking about would have on their faces. And sometimes it's a little off-putting because we, speaking English to each other, don't have those facial expressions. <laughs> but he's trying harder to get his point across by using them. Now I'll give you a hint. He's speaking from the Bible. I'll give you another hint. He's telling a story from the Old Testament. Anybody want to guess? Just very good. <laughs> He's telling the story of Joshua chapter 6 and the Israelites marching around the city of Jericho, blowing on their shofars, carrying the Ark of the Covenant to bring the walls down as God had commanded them. He keeps looking up at the people on the wall of Jericho. He's carrying the Ark of the Covenant. He's counting how many times they're walking around the city. And the, the final time they blow the trumpets and the walls start falling down. Okay, we can stop it right there. Now, when we first started watching, did you feel confused? <laughs> did you feel like this guy is speaking in a language I don't understand? And it makes no sense to me. And until Catherine guessed it, 
I don't know, she was looking at her phone too. Maybe she cheated. (laughs) (laughs) But had I not known that that was chapter 6 of Joshua, I would have had no idea. Now here's the point. People who have not been given by God the ability to understand look at the Bible and feel the same way as we just did, confused, misunderstanding, clueless. And I want you to understand that for the majority of people on earth, that is their view of God, of Jesus Christ, and of spiritual things. And what we take for granted and so easily understand, they don't have that blessing. So we must never take that for granted. I want to look here in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 11. Matthew 13, verse 11, Jesus had just given the parable of the sower and the seed. He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them, not to others, not to the world in general. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even uh, what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. So a lot of people think that Jesus spoke in parables, these little made up make-believe stories, you know, about farmers and, and this and that. Many people think Jesus spoke in parables to help the people to understand. But as he explains here, he spoke in parables. He didn't come across with the spiritual truth, you know, and kind of hit them right between the eyes with it. He kind of went around by telling these stories, telling parables, so that they wouldn't understand. He says in verse 14, in them, in these people who don't understand what I'm teaching, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, he says to his followers, which includes you and me. Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So every aspect of God's plan is a part of this. Everything from creation to pre-existence before creation to the birth of Jesus, the whole Old Testament story, the birth of Jesus, his ministry on earth, uh, the Gospels, the writings of Paul, the writings of Peter, the writings of John, even into the book of Revelation. This is all included in the understanding. And we don't understand every aspect of God's word perfectly. But we have a firm grasp of it. We have the foundation of it. And I'm sure we'll continue to learn as time goes by, even on to heaven, 
There's so much more to learn. God gives us what we need now. He doesn't want to overpower us because there are some things in our physical minds we probably still couldn't understand. Now, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because the Apostle Paul explains how this understanding comes to us. You know, we're at the point, many of us have been Christians for so long, we're at the point that we know a lot, we understand a lot, we've been talking about it for a long time, we've been reading it for a long time, and sometimes we just take for granted that most other people have a basic grasp of the Bible and about Jesus Christ, but they don't. They look at these things just like we looked at that man speaking in American Sign Language. It was a totally different language, we were clueless. Spiritual things, and what the Bible says about spiritual things, are like a completely different language to most people in the world today. So don't assume that people basically understand you know, what you talk about and what you believe in. They really don't. But Paul explains how this understanding comes to us, and it comes to us through the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle in our lives that somehow we, from time to time, take for granted. In this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and uh, they had a lot of problems in the church. Uh, you go through the whole, both books, 1 and 2 Corinthians, you read about some of the attitudes and problems that the people were having, church members. One of the things they were doing is trying to solve their problems. They were relying merely on human wisdom to try to solve the problems in the congregation. They were valuing worldly intelligence and philosophy above the Christian message. They were kind of leaving God out of the picture. So Paul writes a, a corrective letter to them. And notice what he says, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Didn't use fancy words, spoke in everyday uh, language that the people could understand. He didn't put a lot of prominence on himself or put the spotlight on himself. He was humble in his approach. Verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he didn't get, uh, get off on long discussions about, you know, this or that. It was a basic message. Jesus and him crucified. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So, Paul's preaching wasn't based on human ideas, but on the Holy Spirit's inspiration and power. And I try to follow that example. I don't come to you with a lot of my weird ideas about life and this and that. We try to stress God's word. And I try to explain it to you as basically as I can. Because I have to understand it first before I can preach it to you. And I understand basic things. 
okay? Don't try to use fancy words that nobody understands. Try to keep it basic and simple. He goes on to say in verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. So he's talking about spiritual wisdom. And he's preaching it to the spiritually mature, just as I am today, right here. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So what Paul is explaining here is, but when we acknowledge Jesus as our Savior, and when we commit our lives to him, we're blessed with a special gift from God. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, and we find that we start understanding things, spiritual things, more deeply and more profoundly. Now, you know, I've often wondered how that process happens exactly. Because if you remember back to when you first started coming to church, I know I had a certain interest in God and in the Bible and in Jesus. I didn't know a whole lot about them. So it seems that God gives us a little bit of grace at the time that we're being called. Even though we haven't committed to God yet, we haven't accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But it's like God gives us a little bit of understanding just to kind of whet our appetite. And I know one of the reasons why I started coming to church, I'm not talking about the Catholic church that I was raised in, but I'm talking about this church, because after being raised in the Catholic church, as I've mentioned to you many times, I've, I strayed. When I got out of high school, I didn't think that going to church was that important anymore. And one of the main reasons was, and not to put down the Catholic Church, I found it boring. It was so much ceremony, the same ceremony, week after week after week after week, and nothing different, nothing to challenge me. And I stopped going to church. My parents were upset about it because I was still living with them. <clears throat> and it wasn't until I heard a voice on the radio, <laughs> a voice that many of you heard, a man who was preaching right from the Bible. And he kept saying, as he was preaching, open your Bible and prove what I'm saying is true or false. Blow, blow the dust off your Bible, he used to say. So I, I was challenged. This guy was preaching to me from the Bible and I wanted to see if that was really true. And I did. And I wanted to hear more, I wanted to learn more. So I started coming to church and I was excited because Whatever minister was up there preaching to me, and it was this denomination, challenged me and was teaching me things that made sense. And you see, already the Holy Spirit was giving me a little bit just to see if I was interested and I was following along. And finally I got to the point where I made an adult decision to accept Jesus as my Savior. I repented of my sins. I was baptized. And ever since that day, and that goes way back many decades, I was understanding more and more. And that was a miracle in my life. And that's a miracle, I'm sure, in all of your lives as well. 
So once you acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and commit your life to him, you are blessed with a special gift from God, the ability to receive and perceive spiritual truth from the Holy Spirit. It's like a spiritual language that can only be understood by the spiritually mature. So that's why you're understanding what I'm saying to you today. You're spiritually mature. And I'm speaking a language to you that most people in the world wouldn't understand. They'd be confused just as we were when we watched that man using the American Sign Language. Let's read on. Verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, usually when we read that passage, we're thinking about heaven. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. The wonders of heaven, the rewards of heaven, that none of us understand it. God doesn't explain it all to us in detail because we wouldn't get it. Our eyes haven't seen it. Our ears haven't heard it because God hasn't told us what heaven is like exactly. It means that, but it means so much more. It means all of God's plan from creation to Jesus' return and eternal life. Nobody has understood that. Nobody has seen it. No mind has conceived it. But we understand a lot of it because God has given us the ability to do that. We see what no ordinary human eyes have seen. What God has revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. No ordinary ears have heard and received the truth of the gospel message of salvation. No unenlightened minds. Remember last week, we talked about how we receive enlightenment through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He's the light, okay? No unenlightened minds have perceived the mysteries of God, for they are beyond human thinking. When you're just relying on human thinking and reasoning, you can't understand the, the mysteries of God and the truth of God. It's only those who have been enlightened, only those who have received the Holy Spirit. True godly understanding can only be received and understood through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Human minds cannot comprehend it. So there are many times that I've caught myself, you know, in talking to somebody, maybe a little bit about God and sharing with them, and kind of seeing a, a confused look on their face, I think, hey man, this is, <laughs> this is basic stuff. You know who Jesus Christ is? You know the cross and what that represents? You know, the Christmas story and the little baby uh, born in a manger in Bethlehem? And they just don't get it. They don't understand. Yeah, they've seen pictures of a baby on a Christmas card. And they've seen pictures of the cross and the crosses on churches and such, but somehow they don't put two and two together to understand that that sacrifice on the cross can apply to them if they so decide to have Jesus as their Savior. Amen. There's something missing. There's a missing link of some kind in their, in their brain. And this is it. They have not received a spiritual understanding through the Holy Spirit from God. Let's read on just a little bit further here. So none of these things can be seen, heard, or conceived, verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. 
the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, Spirit is capitalized, that's the Holy Spirit, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit which is in him? That's spirit small s. So we, we do have a spirit. Remember, when we die, the body goes to the grave. The spirit essence of us goes to be with God. So what the Holy Spirit does is when he begins working with us, that spirit that we have in us is his contact point. So the spirit doesn't just put things in our brain or in our heart. He works directly with the spirit that we have in us. That's our connection, if you will, to the Holy Spirit and to God. That's why when we die, that spirit goes back to be with God. And when Jesus returns, he's going to bring us with him, most likely in spirit form, for the resurrection of the dead, so we receive our new bodies, our glorified bodies at that time. Spirit will be put back with body, but not the body that died and went to the grave, a new body, a glorified body. So that's the connection. That's why we have a spirit in us. That's the connection point of the Holy Spirit who teaches us. So again, verse 11, For who among us knows the thoughts of a man except the, the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given us. So, we don't have the Spirit of the world, any thinking or reasoning that eliminates God from the conversation. We have the Spirit of God. You know, I shared with you before my experience. You know, I've gone to school many years over my life, and I still remember the one class that I hated the most. The one class that I couldn't stand going to, I had a lot of reading to do for the class, and every book that I read for the, read for this class bored me terribly, and it was agony to have to read through them. And the class was called, it was a college class, it was called philosophy philosophy. And I don't know if you understand what philosophy is. It's people who try to explain everything without God in the picture. So philosophers talk about how we ever got here. And they talk about things like evolution, how we came out of the swamp, or nowadays they talk about how we came from another planet, you know, on a spaceship or, you know, millions of years ago or whatever the case may be. And then they talk about life, why life is the way it is, why we experience this, why we experience that. And all of these writings, and they're very depressing, they're very demoralizing. And the main reason is because all of these philosophers are trying to explain existence apart from God. Now, we've been Christians a long time, and we can't imagine trying to explain everything without God in the picture, <laughs> because we believe it was God who created all things. He pre-existed before the earth and the universe was ever created. We can't imagine going through our life 
going through trials, going through joys, without God in the picture. We can't imagine looking at wealth or poverty in this world without God in the picture. You know, how do you explain love when a man loves a woman or people love their pets? Where did that come from? Well, we know that God is love. That's where it initiated. But all of this explanation, all of these books have been written over the course of centuries by depressed and discouraged people who don't believe in God, who refuse to acknowledge God, and they try to explain everything with worldly wisdom. That's agony. I hope you never have to take a philosophy class in your life. <laughs> so let's finish up here. Verse 13, he goes on to say, This is what we speak, not in words taught to, to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit, the man or woman without the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So unless you know American Sign Language, you had no clue what that guy was talking about. Unless you have the Spirit of God, which is given to you when you accept Jesus as your Savior, and you grow in the Spirit, and the Spirit starts off with you real nice and easy, and you understand basic things, you're enjoying the milk of the Word. But as time goes by, and the years go by that you're a Christian, he starts to feed you the meat of the word, which is some deeper things, some heavier things to understand about God, about this Christian life. They're spiritually discerned. Verse 15, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. So what does that mean? Well, if you know people who do not have the Holy Spirit, they're not qualified to judge you because they don't understand your life. They don't understand where you're coming from. They don't understand who your Savior is, who your God is. They don't understand the Holy Spirit. So sometimes people kind of criticize us be behind our back. Oh, yeah, that guy's a Christian. Well, let's see how he acts. We'll, tr we'll try to catch him up and see him make a mistake or use a bad word or something we can accuse him for because he thinks he's so much better than we are. No, we don't think we're better than anybody else. But what the Bible is saying is that person does not have the right to judge a spiritual person. Believers are not subject to the opinion of unbelievers because they don't know anything about us. They don't know where we're coming from. They don't know who our God is, and so on. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. So bottom line is, whether you realize it or not, and I hope you now do, you have been given a very special blessing. In this world today, a rather rare blessing, spiritual understanding, and never take it for granted.
Never take it for granted. You know, I always get down on myself when I catch myself not reading the Bible enough. Now, I read it every week. But I think, you know, when I first became a Christian, I used to read my Bible all the time, and my understanding was so limited because I just had a little bit. The Holy Spirit just gave me a little bit of knowledge and understanding, and I would read more and more. But now as I've grown into Christian spiritual maturity, I understand so much more. Why don't I read more? <laughs> because how much deeper can you go with God's word? I don't think there's any limit. You just go deeper and deeper and deeper. Our spiritual insight is a precious gift from God. But you know what? Knowledge in and of itself is not enough. We don't come here to just learn knowledge. We don't read the Bible just to learn knowledge. We are invited to experience Jesus in a personal way. Amen. A personal way. And you need an understanding to get to know him more. But you also have to experience him. We're invited to have personal fellowship with him. And that's the word communion. Personal fellowship. Amen. So today, we're going to have a chance to come closer to him through this sacrament ceremony. We don't just come closer to Jesus Christ when we have the communion bread and fruit of the vine. We're to be coming closer to him in communion, in fellowship every day, whether we have communion or not. But what this is, it is symbolic. It is a sacrament. It is a physical act that teaches a spiritual lesson. 